Let's do this. Please. I'll put it on the clock. Because I told you we don't I, I don't normally do super promo-y stuff. No, no, it's it's totally. But you've fun. got this you've got this album out. Yeah. And I think it's important that you kind of give people the pitch on it. So if you're if you're and we can put this right up top, okay? This can be the cold open for sure. the episode. So uh, before even music is playing, the game is you have 30 seconds to pitch your album and your time has already started. You have 24 seconds. Go. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, I think that uh, people in Chicago are making so many cool things. And I thought, let's just see what happens. How None of this is about your album. 15 seconds. I made the thing and here's the thing. 10 seconds. What what is it? the album, it's called David Feinberg Plays the Hits. You can have it on Bandcamp. It's free. I'll What's put it good on about Spotify. It? W- one uh, second. It's good. it's good because I put my heart and soul in. <laughs> <laughs> good. good. Uh, that, was, like that, that was scary. That was really scary. <laughs> to the for you to Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. My name is Dave Marr. I am the host of the show. I am a comedian. I live in Chicago. Almost a decade ago, I was in a coma, and then I woke up, and then I had questions, and then I started this podcast, and now I ask the guests on the podcast the questions. My guest this week is David Feinberg, comedian, mutual friend of Sarah Natel previous guest of the show, Philly clown extraordinaire. So when you hear David refer to Sarah, that's who he's talking about. He recently released an album, David Feinberg Plays the Hits. And if you have spent any time listening to the podcast, you know my infatuation with and love, I guess those are the same thing, of discussing independent art making and you know being an independent artist. We spend a lot of time talking about that in the full conversation, which you can hear on the Patreon. You go to patreon.com slash Dave Marr. You drop five or 15 bucks a month. If you just want to hear the David Feinberg one, you can drop five bucks one time. And you get all the bonus audio, including the Afterlife Movie Clubs, the After Shows with Claire Favorite. And I would love if you are able to support the show in that way. If not, thank you for listening. I would love a review in the Apple Podcasts app. If you've got a little time, if you've got an account, which I think anyone with an iPhone does, and uh, and and you got something to say, say say one of your favorite episodes. If that works, say a a thing that the podcast made you think, a thing you still think about. Say an answer to the one of the questions, if you want. Any of those things. So also. As I said, check out the show notes for links to David's album. He also wants folks to know that he has a Tuesday, these Tuesday writing sessions at the Annoyance and an open jam at Other World Theater. Uh, the writing sessions are on Tuesdays. The jam is on Wednesdays. And you can find all his links in the show notes. Once again, just saying everything twice. Also, if you can hear a little ball rolling around in the background, that is my cat pushing the food out of his puzzle ball. So a little, little bonus there for the heads, the after heads, you know. That's what I've got. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. 
Here's David Feinberg. I grab your whip and take it back to Chi-Town. When I'm in Chi-Town, I treat it like... I, and, you know, sometimes they come across... If it has a funny name, you go to a bar and it's called, like, Grand Slam and Nachos. Right. And that's funny to say on stage. You can also you can start joking around with it, you know. You know. I got too much. I got too much other shit to say, man. I'm not trying to spend my <laughs> stage time talking about the fucking grand slam nuts. We got no time. We got to get into it, you know. Oh, this is true. This is true. <laughs> I, had to, I had to promote a. I had to promote a Christmas beer at the show, at a show at recently, the, uh, at Uncommon Ground. At uh, actually at Otherworld Theater, and uh, this was just a joke. They didn't. Uh, they didn't ask me, that. but. Uh, I uh, I was talking about um, I was like Christmas themed beer. I'm not allowed to drink it, but uh, you know it's fine. Yeah, you know that kind of a thing. It's fun, yeah. you know. Schmai around that kind of a deal. Love that. Schmai around. Schmai around. People don't. All right, comedians don't know enough Yiddish words, and I I don't mean to get up yeah. on a high horse. I've never horse heard schmai. What's schmai? Schmai around. It's like you just fuck around, you know, like uh, yeah, schmaying around, like. Like you wake up and you know that you will eventually want breakfast. Mm-hmm. So you, you put on a shirt, but oh, you get a phone call because your dad needs help with uh, mm-hmm. something with the internet. Mm-hmm. And you know, you, but then you just, you go and you schmie around. You ever like a, you schmie around an area, you know, you're like, you just go into a store and you schmie around. You, you like, you know, you, you go to a, an artisanal DVD shop with a bunch of small press DVDs or whatever. Okay. You just you take them out and you start to look at them. And I love doing it. And then I never spend any money there. And I, you know, Did you, you just, go to an artisanal DVD oh, you shop? Just, you're always in some kind of stupid thing. And you just, you touch it. I touch everything. And then I leave, you know, that kind of a deal. Well, it sounds like multi-purpose. There's a procrastination element. There's an inspection yes. element. There's right. a, a play element. It's it, I'm not I'm not sure that I could deploy Schmai around correctly. It's like it's if you're if you're looking for something to watch on Netflix, right? And you're like, mm-hmm. you know, you look you look at the clock and you just spent 20 minutes watch looking for something to ra- watch rather than watching something. Have you been schmying around Netflix? You you have it's almost the uh, it's the beauty underscoring um, indecision. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. I there's like such that. a there's like a lovely feeling of the freedom of being able to, and at least in my eyes, it's the freedom to have indecision mm-hmm. and and just why just sitting in that pool of that, you know. So is there schmai and around guilt then to have the Yes. Of- I mean, the people that do the schmying around, they they're pretty upset with themselves. And they don't know why. <laughs> we won't say it on air, but we all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> we do it. Yeah, I feel like Jewish people. Oh, if oh, you, oh, okay. Okay. If you have if Jewish people, if you have nothing to do. I've got the voices of my ancestors. I didn't walk over all of Latvia for you to look at pancake recipes online all day. You know, that kind of a thing. What do you hope happens when you die? You know, I, I, it's funny that you, cause I, I was, I was listening to some episodes. I was listening to the episode with Sarah and I, I was thinking about like, um, so I'm an educator 
Mm-hmm. And I've been talking a lot with uh, my students about it. And I told them about this. I told a group of five-year-olds today about this podcast. Really? Yeah. There's a, a small group of 10 five-year-olds that know. I didn't say the name of the pod. I mean, they don't know what, they don't know what day of the week Jesus, it is. So. You couldn't even tell them the name? <laughs> I'll go back tomorrow. I'm trying to grow a following here, dude. <laughs> Five-year-olds, they're in it for the long haul, dude. It's that That's seven years. They 40 can years. Of- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll tell them the name tomorrow. I, uh, I, um, and because we have these interesting conversations about death and what death might be. And that's all I can tell them. We do. In a way that, how does this happen in a way that isn't like upsetting to their parents or this administration or whatever? I work at a school and the style is Reggio Emilia, meaning that it's like student led education in an ideal sense. The way that it came up, we've had many conversations about death because I, I encourage question asking Mm -hmm. in my class in a very deep uh, way. I, we have a, a box, a questions box, where if you have questions, you just you I'll write them down for you and we'll put them in the box. And we have different times during the year where we open it up and we get really interesting questions. But recently we had um, something where uh, one of my students said, to, we were talking about the planet Pluto. We were reading from a, a science book. We were learning about Pluto, which was named by an 11-year-old girl. Um, and, uh, which is a very, and it was found, I think the person who discovered it was like 26 or something, Mm. like a really young crew of people like contributed to this thing. Anyway, I said it, I said, and she was 11 when she named Pluto. And one of my students said, where is she? And I said, (laughs) well, according to, I I looked it up and I said, according to this, she's dead. She died. And And they said, what does that mean? And I said, well, we don't really know. And so we got into this really lovely conversation because I think that if you're real, like people always are like in my class, like, oh no, don't fucking talk to them about that. And it really becomes a thing where if you are honest and open with yourself and with kids, if you don't lie to children, you can have a really good conversation with someone who's unbiased any other way. So like, I said to them, I said, they said, what happens when we die? You know? And I said, well, we, we don't really know. There's a lot of ideas about it. Some people think that people go to heaven, that their body, that their body stays here and that the soul of the person, the thing that makes you, you goes up and is united with friends and family who have also died. Some people think that people are punished for the things that they've done wrong. Some people think that you become another living thing. And so I just, I said to them, this was the interesting thing that I was thinking about for today was one of the things that I said to them was I said, now this is a thing in your life that you know almost as much about as adults, as anyone else. Yeah, yeah. And it's a, it's a strange thing when a kid feels that kind of power, yeah. a young person feels equated with other things. And I said, the best thing that you can do now is you can go out and you can ask people what they think this is. 
And that's, that's a lot of power to give a kid. And that means that's a lifelong journeying thing for me personally. I, I I'm a, I'm a naturalist and I, I adore nature. And I think that, uh, I don't mean to get into like acid head talk, no? but when I, I, I've only, I've only done some, I've only done two hallucinogens and I, I only did them one time each. And when I took acid, I took acid on a camping trip with my ex. And I remember one of the, I'm sure this is not anything new, but I had this, this moment where I was walking around, I was wearing no shirt and, you know, like a bandana and shit like that. And I was carrying a stick. And I, I remember thinking about, I was like, it's all matter. And so I think it's this, this eternal state. If matter can't be created or destroyed, then it's just a return to new matter, you know? And mm-hmm. so I think it's a, I mean, first it's a decomposing process, which is a beautiful taking back of matter. I'm a, I'm a big into, I love mycology, the study of fungus and mushrooms mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and thinking about that and the way that it, it presses us to just think that there is a, a, a force in our, on our planet at the very least that its job is, is the breaking down and the creation of something new is a, is a beautiful metaphor in itself. Like to know that that thing is all that I can bank on. So I think it's a, it's a coming back into sort of like a, a cosmic energy okay. that is just becoming new matter. You know, you become a pair of Levi's trousers or you become mm-hmm. a, the bumper of a bus, you know, or like, <laughs> or like, you know, you become a, you know, you become a, a, a shit that a dog took and, you know, and it's like, that's kind of, it's kind of wonderful. Like, have you ever heard that thing about, um, you know, like the theory of uh, Caesar's last breath? No. So it's it's this thing of like the way that matter that matter expands throughout the world and the larger universe is like the last breath that Caesar ever took. We can, I th- I might be butchering it, but it's like we can with some certainty say that. Every time you inhale, there's some there's some reasonable amount of probability that you have like one of the atoms of Caesar's last breath in your breath. Okay. Or something okay. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know? That it, it scatters throughout the universe and be, you become one with everything. There's no other there's no other choice. I mean, we know that for a fact. You know? Right. Yeah, the, when it comes to body, right? Yeah, the stuff. physical state of you. Yeah, so no continuation of David. Well, always continuation of David, but I I become a I become the roof of a Lowe's in <laughs> Omaha. You know, like, okay. yeah, yeah. Eventually, everything. That's the thing is that I I believe in a. The, the always the progression and the goings on of energy. Everything is the, is the transference of or the reclamation of or the decomposition or construction of energy of some kind. It goes up, it comes down. And I, 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 I was reading this book about 
mycelium, the, like the root, the roots of uh, fungus. And they were talking about how it takes in energy and how it like dissipates things. And then they were talking about your body. When you really think about it, you shouldn't think of yourself really as a being. You should think of yourself as this thing that, that goes to the universe and, and changes energy. You know, it, it moves things through it. Mm-hmm. It shifts things around. You're, you're more, you're more a conduit for change. And I don't mean that in a Tony Robinson sense. Yeah. But you like, or is it Tony Robbins? I never remember. Tony Robbins. Yeah. Tony Robbins. You're, I mean that less in a Tony Robbins sense than like, you're, you're less a being, you're more a vehicle of change than probably anything else. You turn chocolate cake into exam answers. You turn, you know, visual synthesis of information into, um, you know, fetishes in 10 years, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that but kind you of said, thing. didn't you say two things? That was one. I don't remember. now you gotta remember folks i smoked pot off of tinfoil for many years so the the answers might sound very uh polished up but just one of the many things that you changed is that pot and that tinfoil man (laughs) well is there anything else that you it, it sounds like you are you are both you that that idea gives you hope but is there anything else that you would that that you allow yourself to dream about happening after you die? No, to, dr- to dream about it, definitely. I mean, I there are people that I. I mean, there, there's things that I long for in like what an afterlife kind of a thing to be reunited, like with the only like major loss I guess in my life has been like my grandfather, like someone that I would, I would give anything any anything in the world to see him again and like speak to him. And that like that kind of loss um, is a driver. And it would definitely, if I was to delve into the realm of fantasy, I would say that if it's just a place where I can, choose to sit and eat a sandwich at a, a, a train station, a well-lit train station with my loved ones that are gone, I, I would take it. But I, I, I recognize that as, as fantasy. Also, some, you know, like some sort of hedonistic, orgy-esque picture. But I, I won't go into that. You, like, why not? You can go into that. I could. But I, Mm-hmm. I guess the sinful longings of this world that can't manifest themselves because you want to be a good and moral person. But I think that that's okay. like the, that's the, that's the thinkings of a younger person. And I think you, that as it, or as you're ta- talking, you're talking a, <laughs> not just a sort of sexual orgy, but a, yeah. a, laws is even too codified the idea of any human codes of conduct 
being stripped away that that is a fantasy of yours. Now that's no now that's a, a state of pure. I mean, having sex with aliens and you know just going into a, a state of like pure ever achieving bliss. But it's probably like. I, I think that I would recognize that more as like desire of the flesh kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And what, what you would really want is like ever present, like illuminated ecstasy, mm-hmm. like just, just to frolic and be like so overwhelmed with joy and a feeling of peace and security and that's like that's the thing i i see myself pushing away from like the nero you know yeah sex in a palace thing and more towards the emotional you know joy upon joy of love like a state of pure love i guess yeah whatever that may be now that's hard to define what that looks like What about funeral planning? Do you have thoughts about what you'd like to happen in turn? You know, it doesn't have to literally be the funeral, but anything that commemorates your, your life, your death, things you want to be part of that. Yeah. I, in terms of, uh, uh, like what to do with my physical remains kind of a ritual. I think Judaism Mm -hmm. has it pretty good. Judaism was supposed to, uh, they wrap you up in your talus in your prayer stall mm-hmm. and they uh, put you, you, you're put in a wooden box. Do you know about this? That you, you're in a wood box. Sounds and familiar. Wood box, wood box is a fucking is, tight style for sure. Right. It's tight style, but it's also, it's that it's the uh, returning to the earth thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of they want something that nature can eat into. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that your body is returned to the ground. That's probably where it comes from for me is I think that I think that's gorgeous. You know? And mm-hmm. like I've talked to my parents about like like uh I had a really really nice time during the pandemic. I, my mother and father and I we would walk around graveyards. We walked around two graveyards in Philadelphia and we talked extensively about death and they talked to me about what they wanted me to do really like with their bodies yeah and we talked about like green burials and things like that you know yeah. like a tree sprouts out of your mom <laughs> Corp- corpus mundi what's that that's the egg that's the tree egg it's come up so many times on this podcast oh, that yeah. i that i am familiar with the company the name of the company that makes oh, the eggs wow. that 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 plant the trees the people I trees don't- I, if if they do that, and it sounds like an expensive process, I I'm gonna request that no one says that they're putting my mom in an egg. That's I don't like that. I don't like how that's starting. That no one says that they're doing. Yeah, that? don't call it an egg. My mom doesn't go in an egg. My mom goes in a casket. God damn it. Okay, you know why did I mean? why is that such a deal? It's weird. For you? I don't I don't want my mom in an egg. Like you what, don't want to. It's just a container what's what's the difference between an egg and any egg and why is it like some sort of cycle of life thing an egg is at the shopping bag it's not a (laughs) 
Don't put my mom in an egg. I don't know why, but I get the heat. I mean, I'm not doing anything to your mom, dude. You tell you tell the freaking Corpus Moon. <laughs> yeah, you people. say it into the mic, damn it. <laughs> I will. I'm going to say to them, you call this a casket for my loving mother and father. And okay, sir. It, however, please do know that it is an egg-shaped casket. So uh, we won't call it an egg. But not, not my time. I'm taking a hammer and chisel to it, and we're going to make it into a oblong box. Well, anyway, I feel like I've gotten. Don't into this. currently have that service, but uh, if you right. choose to do that, you'll ruin the, uh, the I'll apparatus. Build my own. I'll build okay. it. And best of luck to you, sir. You know what? I'm doing it in the yard. I'm going to chop up my mom. I'm putting her in an oblong box. Sir, at this point, I think you should leave the premises. This is not really about uh, the services we Ain't provide. Ain't egging my mom, hippie. You ain't egging her. <laughs> Anywho. What well, else they, about your your yeah. funeral? Um, I mean, I, I think, yeah, just like put me in the ground, read a poem. Death the Leveler. You ever read that? Wh- who, who wrote that? I don't remember, but I have a book I, of poetry. The, I, I know the name. It's a gorgeous yeah. poem, and it's about the equality of death. I think mm-hmm. amongst all peoples that it, that it, you know it comes for us all. Who there's is a, it? There's a band called Death the Leveler. Oh yes, but I, there it is also a poem by James Shirley. So it's one of these yes. old old guys, 17th century sort of I, situation. I have a actually, you know, what's funny is I have a book of poetry that I bought during a summer that I was very depressed and I, 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 I read it at like all the time. I, I, it's like, it sits in my nightstand mm-hmm. and I've had it for years and years. And I, I just flip through it every few nights. You know, I write my journal, I read a poem and I want to, I want to be buried with it. I don't know why, but this particular book, I remember buying it and being like, put this in my car. What's the book called? It's a uh, immortal poems of the human spirit. I think it's called. It's uh okay. I think Ezra Pound compiled oh, it. He compiled. Okay, so it's not just one. No, 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 no. It's volume. it's several okay. authors, and it's um, it's just nice. It's just something that I've always had, and it was just it's just kind of like a shitty old. We were talking about before, like uh, publications that you're like, this is a perfect size if it's in your hand. Yeah, it goes in yeah. your backpack. It comes to the airport. You know, like I and I love it, and it's just like one of those things. It's it's mine. And uh, I, I want it to go in the ground with me. And then beyond that, like, yeah, read a poem, put me in the ground, have a party, you know? Mm-hmm. I love the, the idea of a wake. I've never been to one. If anyone listening to the podcast is dying and you can invite if you have a plus one, okay. I'd love to come. Okay. And, but I, I, I do really like the idea of the celebration of a life. I've been to one, like a shiva I mm-hmm. that I that became a bit of a party and it was wonderful. It was so lovely. And then I'd like all I like if I collect enough physical media in my lifetime and uh, you can't see around me right now but I have a shitload of uh, books and and movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you could put that into like a little uh uh library, it'll be a really big inconvenience. Hopefully, I'll be dead in several years. Okay, how about this? All right. Speaking of curation, speaking <laughs> speaking of uh, you know, before we before we started the podcast proper, we were talking about artisanal DVDs. Give me a give me a 
I, I don't even want to set a number on it, but a a a little library, mm-hmm. the the David Feinberg Library of Media, right? Mm-hmm. W- that is like maybe it's a list you send people. Maybe it's just a tiny shelf that has like the three movies, yeah. one album or five albums and two books or whatever. So you can mix media here, but what is the, what's the small amount of these are the things I want you to read, watch, listen to that, 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 that for whatever reason, even if you're like, I don't even know why this doesn't represent me. It's just the best. And it's going in. It's just things that I really like. Okay. Um, Whatever you want, whatever it can be meaningful. It can be silly. Okay. Um, Oh, uh, okay. Uh, a, a copy of uh, Travels with Charlie in Search of America by John Steinbeck. I love okay. that book, even though okay. I recently found out probably bullshit. Oh, then he uh, just made it up? I, John, I read John Waters' book, and he talks about the same thing of like, and he's talking about Steinbeck, and he goes, but I hear that it's uh, horse shit. And so I was like, I, I've never researched it. And it's one of those things where you're like, you don't want to research your hero too hard. Cause you yeah, don't yeah, 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 uh, yeah. A copy of A Christmas Story, which I think is the funniest movie ever made. Um, uh, and with that, a, a copy of Wedding Crashers Uncorked, which I think is just a weird movie. And okay. I think that if we should put it in a time machine. We should put it in like a time capsule uh-huh. and have people be like, what the fuck were they doing? And um, uh, and hmm. what? else what else to put in there oh a copy oh there's this great book called all the rain promises and more by this guy david aurora and it's uh it's like mycology before it became mycology Mm. is very mainstream now and i i got on it i jumped on the bandwagon i'll admit that from the fantastic fungi documentary yeah Absolutely. I feel like <laughs> nice. that's, that's been like the Beatles of yeah, uh, yeah. the mushroom world. That's Yeah, that's the Velvet Underground of yeah, yeah, they, they everyone, everyone says they were there. Itself. Yeah, Started a band, you know? Like, yeah. uh, and I saw, I saw that and that got me into it. And it was, um, but this book is like him talking about like back when it was like very Indian weird. It was a very strange thing to be into like mycology. Mm-hmm. And it was just this like group of rabble rousers that all knew each other. And it's just like a perfect little thing because it's a, it's a really smart guy working with really weird people. Okay. Okay. I love that. I, I love that thing. This I is hope- great. Yeah. I and love then, this little collection. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Keep going. I'm trying. I feel like one more is necessary. Uh, um, we well, don't have music, but you don't have to. Right. A copy of. Oh boy. Maybe "Blonde" by Frank Ocean. That means more to my brother than it does to me. But I think that's a, that album is a flawless thing. Well, wait, but it means more to your brother? And it's going in your funeral gift basket? Yeah. Wow. That is a... Because you know what? I'm going to make it my thing. (laughs) Noah can can have a quintessential high school experience because of the album, but I'm putting it in my damn 
a casket library. So the show it grows out of my second one man show, Please. where mm-hmm. I ask people to choose one memory to relive on the premise that in the afterlife, there's basically, you know, as if there were a room you could go into and out of whenever you wanted. And the rest of your memories aren't aren't wiped, but you do get to fully drop down into and relive one of your memories. If that's the case, which one do you choose? I had a, a trip when I was younger and I, uh, it was, I was uh, at an overnight camp and we, um, we took a, a bus and we went all the way from the Pocono mountains in Pennsylvania and we rode across Ohio and then through Indiana and we made it up here to Chicago and we went up to university of Madison and we spent a night on the shore of Lake Superior and we had, I was, I was 16 and, uh, you know, not in college yet, but it was a microcosmic uh, evening. And we, like, we got fish and we cooked them over a campfire. And it was, it was this group of people that I loved so much and still love my friends from camp and we were, and we watched the sun go down over Lake Superior and we, uh, and we were cooking this fish. And so it was this group of people, my friends, and then it was this other camp, like our sister camp from Wisconsin. And we had mm. met on the shore of Lake Superior and we were watching the sun go down and we it was two groups of people that so intimately loved each other and then were meeting each other. And so it was this beautiful thing of, of old faces that were your fallback and new faces that were a joy. And, and, you know, you're, it was a time of such like, you know, you're exploding mentally and, you know, sexually and you're learning everything about yourself. (laughs) And we, and uh and uh and we we just we had this like wonderful evening of dan- like dancing and singing and you know corralling around and you know and we fell asleep and we woke up like on the shore of the lake and then we sort of like split away from each other but that night was so was so beautiful it was incredible it was just an incredible evening did you hook up with anybody? No, no. I was. I was a fucking. Uh, I'm an independent comedian, man. I, I didn't. I didn't have a great high school experience. I don't <laughs> know, man. It, there, there's uh, no, these people. camp situations. They can be. I, uh, I, I was. Uh, I was pretty uh, repressed in that regard. I guess. I, I just. I didn't know how to add it up that way. But like, sure. I uh, eventually I did. You know. But like, you know, it, in its time, it took its uh, took course. But. At that time, it was just, it was really a deep familiarity with these people in my life, you know? Yeah. 
Absolutely. Had you known any of the Wisconsin campers, like, or known of them or anything, or it really was just a first time, like, no. oh, we know we're sister camps, but this is a, a no. I a think mishmash. that we, I don't think we had ever uh, met before that day. It was just this. I don't know why, but it's always been like preserved under glass. That one. Evening, like I'm sure that if I talked to my camp friends about it, they'd be like, "That was a weird night." Like Jonah fingered a girl, and then <laughs> she got a, squ- a scorpion bit her or something. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. I like the I like the underglassness of it. But I, yeah, something about that night will always like. I remember even in that moment being like, like look at like walking away from the mm-hmm. campfire. Mm-hmm. And and be and turning around and being like, look at this moment. Like really look. And and I I that's one of those things is that my brain is fuzzy and I, I don't remember things very well, but every now and again I'll have like a clarity moment and I'll go, Remember this, be here now, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's that was a big one. That was a beautiful night. Beautiful. And be here now, is that a phrase that you've invented? No, you want to know? This is another th- another topic. I'm fucking tender. with you because of the Ram Dass thing, dude. Oh, is that is that his thing? Did he <laughs> yeah, say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, there's the, there's this old thing? Ram Dass book, "Be Here Now." I thought oh, you were like shit. intentionally referencing it, and so I was. No. But now I'm a dick who is uh, <laughs> making a reference. Oh, so you that, like Ram Dass over top of my cool high school memory? <laughs> Fuck no, you, the the thing that I want to know. <laughs> is about the sound of it because it it sounds like a very it it, well it it sounds like a very quiet memory Mm. even 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 when there were clearly loud parts like you're talking about all getting together and singing and doing things like this um but tell me about like what was it all in a group were people splitting off? Was someone leading songs? Were there activities that were that were set? Like, how do you remember it? Like, um, audio, audio wise. That's a that's a good question because I remember it very thank you very visually, <laughs> and I guess I've never. I think that what I reflect on, especially uh, as someone who grew up, I would go to the beach or go down the shore. Yeah, which is a big thing in Philly, you know, and like the sound of an ocean is very forward and it takes yeah. up like if you're along the town, like in Cape May, New Jersey, where my family goes, our apartment is, you know, a thousand yards from the beach, but you still hear like at night, you sleep with the door open to the porch and you, you still hear it. Yeah. And you smell it when it's in the town. But a lake, especially moving here, is a subtle thing. Yeah. Like I I I had a, a a teaching engagement that I had like out of town and I I went and I was early one day and I pulled a car the car up to the edge of the lake and it doesn't like you don't hear it until you're at the side of it. And it's like mm-hmm. a light, you know, a little 
primordial splashing. Yeah. Like this, this might be something that I, 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 you, you don't have any children of your own, but I, no. I, I don't either, but I, I have children that I teach. And sometimes I uh, like, they'll run in the hallway without their shoes on. And they go, the little yeah. slapping of their little feet on the ground. Yeah. And I think that that is a sound that I'm sure that parents are like, Ugh, I would die to have that sound again. And I feel like a lake also has that like innocent, slow rolling sure. joyful noise about it and i think that that was one of it there was that and that we had a huge campfire we had these uh you know israelis that had just gotten out of the army okay and they were just they made this huge i remember watching a woman pour kerosene on a giant thing of logs and just and it burned all night it was like you know like a a video of someone that like in the Ojai Valley, like doing peyote and like mm-hmm. watching a campfire go up and like, you know, speak with wizards, you know, it was sure. a big, beautiful, like driftwood logs being burned on the side of a lake. And that sound that <laughs> crackling, I don't know if that's going to do it justice on the pack, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, like, yeah, I'm not asking you to do ASMR. Beautiful. That's okay. But the, the smell of food that you had waited for all day, mm-hmm. the sound of the water lapping, the things crackling, and your friends, your friends from when you were a child laughing and cajoling and getting into stupid roughhousing antics. And then, you know, uh, the, and just the feel of that whole moment and just watching the sun go. It was like a picturesque, it was a postcard. That you got yeah. to live it for just one night. And were you ta- were you immediately intertwining with the other camp, or were there awkward moments, or was it just you know you immediately knew what questions to ask, and we're like, "Hey, I'm David, and now we're friends." Well, it's one of those things where it's like if you you feel relief when you meet someone. And you have all of these things stored up that you know you have similar with them. Like, how different was it to go to Jewish summer camp in Wisconsin than in the Pocono Mountains? Sure, sure. It's probably not that different. And we were sort of banking on that. And <laughs> that was the the thing was that it was um it was I guess it was just blissful in that it wasn't that it was this instantaneous deep hearted connection. Yeah, it was that it was just easygoing and free, and that it moved along at a fine pace, and everybody was okay with each other in that moment. What's your coma? And I need to ask if you need the explanation of this question. This is this is based yeah. on you do. You you mm-hmm. do okay, so I, I, I yeah you were in a, you were in a I, yes 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 okay so you know that at least I I was in a coma mm-hmm. a, eight and a half years ago and now I'm totally over it and nothing I make has anything to do with it <laughs> but the. <laughs> You know, I was I was in the coma for like a month, and 
it's it's just a symbol of transformation. So any moment in your life where before, I can definitely say there was a pre-coma Dave and a post-coma Dave. Mm -hmm. Yours does not have to be a medical trauma. You don't have to imagine yourself as if you were in a coma. It does not have to be grand at all. It can be a split second, but something Mm -hmm. where you look back and you're like, that then I was that, and after that, I became this. When I when I, I was uh, I think I was uh, fifteen or sixteen when my grandfather died. My grandfather was like a a, a major father figure. In my, I mean, it was like losing a father to me. Mm. And I re- I remember. I mean, this podcast actually has me reflecting on him a lot because he was a. I mean, he studied philosophy for many years, and we got into a lot of conversations about death and what it meant to be gone and like talking a little bit about his own death and things like that. And I remember, I, I remember before he died having this acute fear of who I would be and become when he died. I remember from being very young up until he died being like it could it could be any moment having a lot of anxiety about what would happen to the people around me what would the fallout be emotionally for myself and i i remember the day uh that you know your mom comes in and she tells you that your grandfather is dead that like during the night he you know he just had a heart attack and he's gone and you saw him yesterday like i lived really close to my grandparents mm. And then, and I saw him, and I, we, I, I remember I had this How old strange, I was what, 15 or 16 around then. Okay. And I, I had this moment, the last time I remember I pulled out of his driveway and then I had to go get something from him. And I, I ran over to him and I gave him a hug again. And then he, mm. and then I left and he, the next day he was gone, but. I remember in that number one, losing that kind of an influence and a stability piece in your life changes you because it, the wind that's been buffing against the rock wall of your grandfather is gone. And now you have to feel it. And it's like, you know, it's, it's time to tan the leather mm-hmm. and it, it, but it also, it, it gives, um, I remember it, it, it began shedding a lot of things that I had felt like I remember learning so much about religion in those moments, seeing the process of loss in a religious context, Judaism holding that weight for you and being surrounded by community mm-hmm. and the way that that was a system that was ancient and played out. And then it changed my, my dynamic with my whole family and like began a questioning process of like where loyalties lay within my own family. That became like a dark thing, Wow! but that led to open eyes, you know, that it was, there was no longer a falsehood being presented and a real thing came about. Loyalties around what? Who like love and uh, commitments to each other. Like, Mm. My grandfather, I mean, I cannot underemphasize, I could never overemphasize that my grandfather was like this linchpin 
in right. my family that like, who he was like, <laughs> I mean, the, the joke with my family is that he was a, he was a psychiatrist and it was like, the joke was always that you needed a psychiatrist to keep our family together. Okay. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is a dark joke, but, uh, they, uh, and so it just became this whole thing of like, you know, the primordial, the ooze came through and you just had to, now it was you, it's you are dealing with it. And then it just led to, uh, questions, a questioning that I feel like has driven me and driven me and driven me my whole life since, you know, what sorts of questions, all kinds of, uh, in Judaism, they say all we have are questions. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that because they, the joke is they say one Jew, 10 opinions. And I, I like that because it's the, it goes back to schmying around mm-hmm. of you, you exist in this ether of gray where nothing is good, nothing is bad, but is it, it's fine. But maybe, you know, it's always back for the back of it. It's uh, shifting constantly. And that kind of, uh, like those moments of change, that is when we learn the most. I mean, I'm, I'm, t- I'm stealing from uh, James Baldwin and saying this, but like the moments that, rip you out of where you thought you were rooted and push you into another space. That's when, that's when you're learning the most. So when you had thought about this as a kid, mm-hmm. what was you, when you thought about like, Oh, who am I going to become mm-hmm. when my grandfather dies? What was your fear? I, 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 I was like, I'll be driven to like the brink of insanity by loss and grief. Okay. okay sure. Right. Yeah. Like, like I was, I just, I had never, I had never had that before in my you life. You just couldn't imagine life without him. Yeah. I mean, it, it was such a constant presence in my life, but then it became one of those things where you, you face a thing that you're worried about and you're like, um, you realize that you're a strong person that like, you know, yeah. You break your back. Yeah. Is that, I mean, like, <laughs> this is going to seem silly, but the <laughs> thing it makes me think of is, uh, is survivor the TV show, because mm-hmm. there's this thing, you know, they'll have people go out there and, and they'll, they'll do an endurance challenge and they'll stand on a tiny little pole for four hours and, and, and they, they're a TV watching dork in their regular life. And they're like, you know, I never thought I, when I came out here, I wanted to win, but I never thought I'd win a challenge. And, you know, this is just like showing me how strong I, how strong I am showing me what I'm capable of. And I always think in these moments when you're like, Oh, showing you what you're capable of, showing you, you know, oh, that's when you're growing. Oh, that's when you're uncomfortable. I Part of me just craves specificity. So I'm like, but what are you capable of? And it's like, well, that thing I just did, it shows me that I can do things like that, you know? So at least physically, I'm capable of that. But also that took some mental things. So it showed me, I, right. you know, this kind of thing. And I will then, meet 
no pole that I cannot stand on for three hours. Right, 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 right. Forever, no. <laughs> yes, yes. But obviously, it's it's bigger than that. And I understand. Mm-hmm. I just think we get interesting insights from going beyond the sort of like uh, the sound bite, you know. And so, mm-hmm. like when you say that it showed you who you were, or it showed mm-hmm. you how strong you were, or it showed you, um you know, that's how you learned about yourself. Mm-hmm. I in, I instinctively do know what you mean with these things. But I'm right. also wondering if there are really specific, perhaps surprising things that you learned about yourself after he died. I, I think that it was a thing of... And weirdly enough, I feel like this has sort of happened in all, like with COVID and things like that. Like there were things that I felt like, like that, that the reality that you have around you can shatter and become nothing. And you, and you are still something in that nothing mm-hmm. that you, you may think that you are. Like and I feel like microcosms of that or medium cosms, whatever that may be. Sure. Like you think that your darts league will stay together forever. Mm-hmm. Well, you're wrong. Like eventually it'll break apart. You're like, I can't believe that darts and farts is breaking up. <laughs> yeah, like, I yeah. can't believe that we're doing. And and that's that's a strength that I think that is a joy to me because it it leads you away from for lack of a more poetic term stupid shit like i feel like you uh a lot of people get caught up in life in going to the easy answer of something that is a grounding basis that they know will be around for a long time Mm -hmm. and then the lack of wanting to break that down creates a space where you commit to going to a shitty dart league every week or enjoying, you know, uh, pretending to enjoy a marriage that you don't like, or, you know, never learning to play the drums because you're afraid of how your coworkers will react. And that the ability to cope with change and almost to enjoy change as a process is a skill that like, you know, like Odin ripped out his eye to drink from the lake of knowledge, like to, to, to believe in that even more deeply. I'd, I'd rip my eye out of my head. It'd probably sound bad on, uh, on Mike. <laughs> to believe in what even more deeply you'd rip to believe in, to believe in the, uh, that it's okay to change, that to experience change. Sure. Even more deeply. Well, and it sounds like a safety in, yourself as well like Mm -hmm. and and an ultimate belief in your ability to be okay yes resilience the experience of resilience resilience of some kind and then also the the that that there's almost a joyfulness in it that like i keep even his death like the uh, a few weeks ago i was talking to my mom and we were talking about my grandfather and she said she said, do you want to know what your grandfather said to me when, uh, when we were talking about where, where he wanted to be buried? And I said, sure. And she said, uh, 
she said, he said, I don't care where you bury me because when you come visit me, I won't be there. And I was like, whoa. Isn't that is kind of harrowing. Well, he's like, I am not there. Yeah. He's like, I yeah. don't give a shit. But what did that mean to you in that moment? What did that mean to her in that moment? That means that, I mean, that goes back. Like, I, I think that it means that it's like, it, it's loss and you have to like cope with it as a loss. Some people go to the graveside of their family members. Mm. And like here she is. Oh, she's here in the ground or whatever. That's not the case. Like, I, I think that what we were talking about of like, your matter is spread over the universe. Yeah. That's the joy of it is that it's, it's everywhere. So he, so I think I, I think I'm getting it that like his response to her about where he'd be buried in some way, it's a response to as if she's saying like, well, where can we go to find yeah, you to comfort you? us? And he's yeah. like, he's like, no, no, no. You got to figure this you out can. yourself. Like, yeah, this is not my chair, not my problem. You got to. Exactly. Y- yeah. Yeah. That, that, yeah, that you will, you have to deal with it because I'm not in the box. I'm, I'm gone. Whatever is me, it's gone. And the thing but you learned around. from his death is that you can deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There's the strength and resilience of that. And then there's the, Facing the thing that you're like, well, that was going to drive me to madness or whatever. <laughs> but it was, it was fine, you know? I mean, it wasn't good, but it was what it is. You know, it's a part of things. That is the show. Thank you for listening. Go to patreon.com slash Dave Marr for the full conversation. If you're interested in how to make art independently. We talk more about it. Uh, He also talks about his hell in that full convo. And you can get all the full convos, the after shows, and the Afterlife Movie Club episodes on the Patreon. So thank you so much for your support. That way, thank you to Fred Fidewa, Susie Carroll, Katie Llewellyn, Kurt Chang, Shuba Singh, Debo, and John Lee for supporting at the $15 pigeon level. And until next week, remember, you are a mist. They do miracles.